Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of Steeler Stat Geek. This is behind the Steel Curtain editor Dave Schofield coming at you Thursday morning. My goodness, see, time flies. I talk all off season about, oh, if only we could get Steelers football. And now, what are we doing? We are heading into the final preseason game for the Steelers of the 2022 season. Coming up Sunday, late afternoon, Acrisure Stadium trying to figure out if I'm going to the game or not. As of right now, I don't know. I haven't I haven't figured it out yet. I'm trying to figure out a reason if it would be good to go versus a reason um, good to stay. I mean, being able to cover everything and do the post-game podcast and stuff is kind of important. So th- those things kind of weigh in. But I, I'm, I'm figuring it out. But the team is going to be on the field. It's their last tune-up before the regular season. They play. They have exactly two weeks before they play again, after they play. So next Thursday, when we're talking, we're going to be saying, hmm, what are we going to talk about? The preseason's over. Um, There's not a game coming up this weekend, all those things. Then the next week, it'll be like, here comes the game, yay, and we'll be into the regular season. It's here. I love the fall. I love the fall. So I'm excited about this. I don't want to wish away the whole fall. I said before I don't want to wish away the whole summer because of, you know, being with the kids and things like that. Well, my son's already back in first grade right now, so it's just one of those things that hey, if it's if it's coming on, bring me the bring me the cool weather and bring me NFL football, and I can just kind of bask in the glory of what is the autumn season. So that's the game coming up. Before we do, oh my goodness, my frustrations sometimes with it, with everything Steelers, they can get to me. I'll be honest with you, they can get to me and. Just time to be real a little bit, real a little bit. You know, Jeff Hartman gets to do his heart to heart on Fridays. I guess I, I have I have no idea what I could call this every once in a while. But you know, I I hear that and I'm like, man, that's got to be somewhat therapeutic to be able to to do that at least with one of the shows each week. So I'm going to take a little bit of time and say, sometimes, man, it would be nice to unplug from the Pittsburgh Steelers and everything going on, particularly with its fan base, and. This week has been one of those times right now, especially after what happened Tuesday. I talked about it extensively on the Scobro show with my brother. I kind of, you know, went off, you know, 
talked a little bit on my soapbox a little bit. My brother was just kind of, uh-huh, yeah, and agree with me. So I kind of went off. I didn't go off on it, but I mean, I talked about it extensively. And that was, there are these narratives that Steelers fans sometimes believe and they don't understand that they might not make sense. Now, do I expect the Pittsburgh Steelers to always do things the way that they've always done them? No, you can't. Always is not a good word anyway to use. I don't like speaking in absolutes. Sometimes I mess up and I do. Sometimes, I, and then I try to correct myself because it drives me crazy speaking in absolutes. I try not to write in absolutes. Um, when I edit other people's articles for the website, I try to take out the absolutes because it's very, very, very rare that the words always and never make a true statement. Not and, sorry, always or never make a true statement. Now, you could say the Cleveland Browns never won a Super Bowl. Boom, that's true. That's true statement. That, 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 that fits. But if you say, oh, well, the Steelers always, chances are what you're about ready to say is not going to be factual because I don't know that they always. Oh, the Steelers always cut one of their draft picks. That's not true. Oh, the Steelers always, you know, one of this, that, or the other thing. Oh, well, they, they always are. Oh, well, the Steelers never, you know, chances are all the Steelers never had a, a losing season under head coach Mike Tomlin. There you go. That is true. That is statistically and factually true. But chances are, you know, that's why sometimes I'll say almost always or often or rarely, you got to be careful whenever you go to do these things. Now, that's what's so great about numbers is so many numbers are absolute. I love absolute numbers. So when it comes to the other things, I really try to be careful with that, especially as someone who likes numbers. So I'm kind of going off a little bit talking about this, but it's all right. We, we've got, if we go along today, eh, oh well. So what I was weighing on my mind is I don't get to unplug from the Steelers ever. If you go to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, I don't think there's been a day that there hasn't been an article published where the author was Dave Schofield. I think it's been since the fall of 2019. Honestly, I think it might've been the last time that there was a day that there was an article published by me. Even when I go on vacation, I still have a, you know, I, I, I'm still doing that. It's so I'm constantly plugged in with the team. And when I hear some of the stuff people were saying, and Oh my goodness, even, even the, beat reporters covering the team and being right there. You would think that they would know better sometimes. And maybe it is that they know something that's on the inside, and maybe the Steelers are going away from their norm. But my goodness, when the Steelers make have to make roster cuts a week before the final cuts, and you think those players, their plan is to sign them to the practice squad or to sign them back on the roster, well, first of all, that doesn't make sense. Because I'm going to say this because this – I hate to say it this blunt, but if that's the plan, it's a terrible plan. Honestly, if that's the plan, it's a terrible plan. If you think you're going to cut someone, not the last round of cuts, but the next to last round of cuts, but your plan is to sign them later to the practice squad or that they're going to come back to the 53-man roster – no, no. Yes, we were taken off guard that the Pittsburgh Steelers, the big, I'm sorry, the big one that really caught everyone off guard is that they released outside linebacker Gennard Avery. That was shocking. I, he was getting the number one reps 
with Alex Highsmith injured. And if he would have been cut with the 53, I said this before, I think I might have said it on Scobro, I've said it in articles. If he'd have been cut as to get down to 53, I would have thought, man, he's a guy that might be back tomorrow. But they, they got to put someone on IR. So therefore, he's a guy, you bring him back at the same salary because he's making, he's a veteran salary benefit contract. Um, he already had to sign his bonus, all that stuff. He'd be a prime candidate for a player like that that you release and sign back right away under the whole idea when you release him, say, hey, we want to sign you back tomorrow. Please don't leave town. We want to bring you right back here. We just got to get so-and-so on IR. We need you to do this for us. That would have made sense. You don't do that the week before. You don't do it the week before. And you want to know why you don't do it? Because exactly what happened today. It's reported. I don't have it confirmed at the time of recording that he's signing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Gerard Avery. That's why you don't do that. But then there's others saying about, oh, well, Chris Oladokun, you'll see him back on the practice squad. No. If the plan was to get him on the practice squad, you don't cut him a week before. You don't do that. Because you know what he has now? He has eight days to go visit other facilities and talk to the teams and do workouts and things like that. If you, you wait until the last day and you cut them and say, don't leave town, we want to sign you for the practice squad. And the only way you don't is if they get claimed off waivers. That's the only way. If you think it's easier to sneak them through waivers now than it would be there, no, because then even if you do, you still got a week of other teams that could sign them. If that's what they ultimately want to do, that's a bad plan. That's a bad, bad plan. Now, as Coach Tomlin said in this uh, when he spoke after practice on Wednesday, hey, I'm never going to shut the door on anything around here. And that's true. Do, does Chris Oladoku, does he have a chance to come back on the practice squad? Sure. Is he one of those guys that they're like, oh, we really want to get him there? No, because if he was, they wouldn't have released him now. They wouldn't have done that. So, Or, or maybe, maybe it, it's this. It could be this. I just kind of thought of this one. The only reason that makes sense to cut him, if you ultimately want him on the practice squad, and you say, hey, Chris, we're going to want you on the practice squad. You're not going to make the team. We can tell you that now. Hey, I don't know if I want to sign to your practice squad. Maybe somebody else out there actually wants me. Oh, hey, how about this? We'll cut you a week early. You got a week. You go see if someone else does want you. And if they don't, we want you on our practice squad. You can do that. But guess what? You've got to be fine knowing that they walk. If the plan is to not have other people be able to do that, then you don't let them walk. If you let them walk, ultimately you are fine with them not being on your practice squad. So does it mean that he's not going to make it back? No. But to say that it's a high priority for the Steelers, you can't say that or else they would have kept him for another week. There we go. I'm kind of done with that. Woo, I spent a lot of time talking about that when I shouldn't. But you know what? That's okay. It's Thursday. It's Stat Geek. Here we go. What we're going to ultimately talk about is this. We're going to talk about tuning up, looking at some of these stats. You know what? I'm going to bring up now what I was going to talk about in the second half of the show because it wasn't going to take very long. I'm going to do it now, and then I'm going to save the main topic of the show for the second half, so then that way I can just go long in the second half, and that's fine, rather than rather than have a commercial five minutes before the end for, I don't know, some other true crime podcast or who knows what it'll be for. So, and also, if you've, if you've had enough, or now nah, you can't get enough. If you're like, man, I really want to know what's up with this Crystal Adokin stuff. If you want to hear more talk than you've ever heard before about a seventh round draft pick, whether it be Oladokun, maybe it's a little bit of Mark Robinson, but if you want to hear a lot of talk about seventh round draft picks, then you've got to make sure you come back for what Yin's talking about 
later here on today here at Behind the Steel Curtain at our at our network of podcasts. Uh, that that podcast comes out at noon Pittsburgh time. So make sure you're checking that one out. Here was something else I was going to do because I generally like to do this and remind fans of this before cutdown day. And this is my last sat geek before cutdown day because it's next Tuesday. When we talk next week, one thing that's great is we'll be able to talk about the Steelers 53-man roster. And although it chances are, it very rarely does the 53-man roster come out on Tuesday. And by the time they play their game week one, it's the same 53. That just doesn't happen with, with the Steelers. And especially now, especially now that you have, oh my goodness, almost two whole weeks. You have, what is it, 10 or 11 days in there that of with your roster before you do that. Because think about it, even during the course of an NFL season, if you look at your roster and your practice squad, every 10 days you probably have a change in there. So that's kind of to be expected. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a, a, a rough breakdown of how the Steelers generally keep players on the team. Now, some of these have a little bit of a range, and I'm going to explain that. First things first, it's the three specialists. You got your long snapper, you got your kicker, you got your punter. That takes your 53 down to 50, all right? So that's three of your 53. So you've got 50. I think that's why – maybe that's why it's a 53-man roster, and they, they settled on that one, um, which gives you roughly 25 offense, 25 defense. It doesn't have to be. Sometimes it's 24 and 26. It could even be as low as 23 and 27, but that's kind of crazy getting out there, but it's not beyond the realm of possibility. Let's talk about what the Steelers should do. Let's go offense first. Historically, what do the Steelers keep at the quarterback position? Three. Have they got tried to get by with two and one on the practice squad? Occasionally. Rarely. Early, early two, I think it was like 2000, they did that. I think it was like T. Martin on the practice squad as the third guy. They did it uh, right after the trade of Joshua Dobbs in 2019 and then the injury to Ben Roethlisberger until eventually they had three on the roster. Typically, it's three. It's what they like to do. They don't have to do it this way. Just remember that. Okay, running back, including fullback, it's generally four or five. Last few years, it's been five. My goodness, it's been as much as six. Uh, So we'll say four or five. Three tight ends. Rarely it's been down to two, so I'm going to keep that at three. Wide receivers, five or six. Five or six. And offensive linemen, eight or nine. Eight or nine. I've, I've seen both somewhat recently. So that's the general rule of what to do. If you look at those, if you take all those as minimums, then you're going a minimum of 23. And if you go through and add up those maximums, it's a maximum of 26. Now, to me, it's running back and wide receiver. Do you need – I wouldn't go deficient at both of those. I also wouldn't go extra at both of those either. But the Steelers may. That might be what they do this year. So that's that's one way that, 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 uh, that things could go down there. That's for the offense. So remember that, 23 to 26. Now the defense. Defensive line, I am going six or seven, although the trend has been six. The trend really has been six. I will say last year, right off the bat – the Steelers kept eight. They kept eight with the initial 53-man roster. But one was Stephon Tuitt going on IR after being on a day. The other was Henry Mondeau. He was released when the Steelers traded for Akello Witherspoon. They were down to six by the first game. So, But because of that, I'm going to go ahead and throw in a seventh, um, which I would not be shocked. I hate to say it, but if Montrevis Adams can't get back, it might be he's a candidate for IR 
um, and they and they do something there where he's on for a day and goes on IR. I hate to say it. Maybe he's back. Hopefully, maybe you already hear that he's back or 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 something of that nature. But um, that one's starting to concern me. Uh, I will say this. So six or seven defensive line. When it comes to linebacker, I would say four or five outside linebackers and four, four or five inside linebackers with the general total being nine. I like the number of nine there. That's what they generally do. It could go as low as eight, especially if they're going to keep an extra defensive lineman. And it could go as high as 10. Now, I have, I did, I remember one year the Steelers went with three outside linebackers and six inside linebackers. They they did. That was when it was, oh, I can't, I think, was that, was that the year that it was Watt, Dupree, and Chicolo? And that was it? I, it's something, something crazy like that. And, and it, believe it or not, they actually got by with it. I wouldn't recommend it, but it's not that it hasn't been done. So I at least got to throw it out there. Um, so that's why I would say generally nine linebackers. And then when it comes to the secondary, you're generally looking at 10. I say, you know, four to six corners and four to six safeties where together they would total 10. It doesn't have to be five and five. It could be four and six. But if you really wanted to skimp, you could go four and five and go as low as nine. You're not going lower than nine between the two. They're not going four corners and four safeties. They're just not going to do that. You're not. But I also don't see them going six for, for both of them either, where it would go up to 12. I would say 10 is almost, I mean, almost perfectly how they would do it would be 10 between the two. Um, could go as low as nine, up to 11. I wouldn't do any less than that. But that means you could have 23 to 28 defenders because of those crazy ranges. To me, I think it's 25 and 25 unless it's 24 and 26. End of story. So with that, we're going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, then we're going to look at the real thing that we wanted to talk about, and that is tuning up these statistics going into the final preseason game. So stick around. We'll be right back. And we are back, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Let's get rolling into some numbers here. My goodness. Kind of talked about some of this stuff with Scobro Show when we were there. If you didn't catch that episode, make sure you go back and do it. You, you know, if you want to don't want to hear me talk about um the Steelers roster cuts, you can fast forward about 18 minutes or so. <laughs> but before we get into it, and what my brother and I did is, is we went into the game looking at, hey, do we just want to see these specific positions do what they've been doing or do we want to see them step up in this last game because i'll be honest with you some of them you're like they've been doing well it's not like you have to see huge growth you just want to see them maintain what they've done and that's a good thing so that's what we were looking at we did that i want to look specifically at some numbers as a whole not going to go as much individually going to go more collectively all right just because it it makes sense from that standpoint, looking at it going into the preseason game, because once again, don't know how it's going to break down. So it's been a tale of two games. 
the first game, yeah, Steelers score 32 points. That's great. Oh, but they give up 25. Very happy with the offense, frustrated with the defense. Even within the offense you're happy with, you're, there still was concerns of, oh, uh, the pass blocking wasn't great. Run blocking was better. Man, they really ran. But the defense are like, oh, they give up a lot of yards in the run. Oh, they did all right in the pass. Then the next game, it was really about the defense and not the offense. They only scored 16 points. Oh, but the defense only gave up 13. You know, and that offense gave up two points on the safety. You know, various things – like that. So it's kind of the kind of you've got it from both. You got it from both the offense and the defense. So what do you ultimately want in week three? You want more offense like you got in week one. You want more defense like you got in week two. There, I just summed it all up for you. But now let's look at that in a little bit specifically. Let's look at it a little bit specifically. So let's look at yardage. All right, the Steelers, the Steelers had a total net yardage of 409 yards the first preseason game, but the second preseason game, they only had 279. So really, if you want that tune-up there, you want to see that more around the 350 range or more. That's what you'd ultimately like to see from the offense. They had 14 first downs in the second game compared to 24 in the first game. And I wanted to see that go up to 25, and instead they lost 10. Woo! Yeah. So what you ultimately want to see is you want more than 20 first downs between 20 and 25. That's ultimately what you would like to see in a tune-up. Um, then when it comes to rushing, yeah, that first grade game, that was great. 185 yards on 27 attempts, 6.9 average. Woohoo! Yeah. How about um, 24 yards on 14 attempts for a 1.7 average? Woo! No. Okay. Talk about going night and day. My goodness, night and day. So you need that yards per rush. That's got to go. You want that up over four. You really want it over four and a half. You definitely don't want it below two. And that's why I thought the Steelers only giving up 3.2 to the Jaguars was actually not bad. Actually not bad at all. We'll get to that with the defense here in a little bit. So that's some numbers you, you want to tune up with the offense. Um, now, you, you look at it. Going up against going up against the Seahawks, they were 26 of 37 for 70% passer rating. And they're they're let's look at gross yards rather than net yards, meaning we're not going to take off the sacks. 251 passing yards and a 70% completion. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. Yeah, but then they went against Jacksonville. They even had they even had um, 263 yards, so as you can see, not that far off, to 251 up to 263, and a 78% completion percentage. Wow, that's pretty nice. Those are some numbers. Those are two good, solid numbers in both games that you want to see them uh, just maintain that for the last game. This Also, no turnovers the first game. One turnover the second game. And I will tell you, sometimes you got to look at situational turnovers, which we'll get to on the defensive side here as soon as I finish on the offense. No turnovers the first game, although they said, oh, there could have been an interception. Oh, there could have been, could have, would have, No, they had no t- turnovers. One turnover the second game. And that situational turnover was it was a fourth down. They weren't getting the first down. And even if they did, it was coming back on a penalty which meant they would have punt. But instead, there's a fumble. Whether the Steelers – was there any – other than making sure the ball was down, was there any reason to jump on that pile and someone possibly get hurt 
knowing that no matter who recovered the ball, it was going to be Jaguars ball right there. I'm not saying that players didn't do that because your instinct is you just jump in. But what I'm saying is from a situational turnover standpoint, nope, nope, didn't matter. Um, not that it didn't matter. You never want to see a fumble. You don't want to see the fumble. Even when the, the Steelers recover, you don't want to see a fumble. But that was not a game-changing turnovers. The takeaways that the Steelers have had the last two games, one in each game, they were phenomenally t- per- or maybe timed phenomenally. That's the way I wanted to say it. Okay, they were perfectly timed. What was it? End of game, either tied or trailing, late in the fourth quarter, getting a turnover and setting up the game-winning score. That's what you call timely takeaways. I would rather, so far this season, the Steelers have two timely takeaways than four untimely ones. Those were different. Those were when the going gets tough, the tough get a takeaway. That's what that was. That's what was going on there. So those mean, to me, that means more. I would rather, over the course of the regular season, I would rather have 20 of those than 30. Eh. I mean, chances are you're not going to have 30 like what happened with the Gunnar Rowe fumble. You're not. What I'm saying is I I would sacrifice the number of takeaways if you got those takeaways in game-changing moments. Anyone who wouldn't take that, I don't, I don't, I don't think they're, 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 they're thinking straight, but yeah. Cause you know, numbers are great. Numbers are great, but so situations, that's the thing. You want that situation going on there. All right. So let's look a little bit more here with the defense. So I'm surprised where, you know, I, I went off on my little tangent to start the beginning of the show. Uh, it wasn't a tangent. I know I was going to talk about it and it looks like we're doing okay. We're doing okay. I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to be talking to you for an hour and a half uh, on a Thursday morning, which I'm sure you're very grateful for. Um, well, if you're tuning in at all, maybe you'd want to listen to an hour and a half. I don't, I wouldn't want to listen to myself for an hour and a half anyway. Um, defensively, defensively. All right. Each game, the Steelers got two sacks. Yeah. I would like to see that go up, but that's not as important. Each game, the Steelers got four quarterback hits. I would definitely like to see that go up on Sunday. I would like to see the Pittsburgh Steelers getting to the quarterback, to at least hitting the quarterback more than what they have so far. Yeah. So that's that's one thing defensively. Um, when you look at how much yards they surrendered, the first week the Steelers overall surrendered 339 yards to the Seahawks. In week two, they surrendered 367 to the Jaguars. They actually gave up more yards. But what did the Steelers do? They held them to three points on several occasions. They stopped them on fourth down, and they got a turnover whenever it was really getting down there. So those are important to remember. The first week, the Steelers gave up 159 rushing yards. For on 26 carries for 6.1 yards rushing. That one, you're like, oh, that's not good. But the Steelers rushed for more. Yeah, this one, this one was way better, but it didn't feel better because the Steelers did not rush the ball well at all. The Steelers lost the rushing game, but yet they didn't give up over 100 yards, and the other team had 30 rushing attempts. It was 97 yards on 30 attempts, 3.2 yards per carry. 
you want to see it more in that range, in that range or better than what than what they did early uh, in the first game. So those are just what they were. The Steelers gave up. Um, let's see against against Seattle. I almost said their stats from the wrong game. They gave up 203 passing yards with a 70 percent completion of 21 to, of 30. Okay, I mean that's not. They didn't give up many yards. They gave up more yards to Jacksonville through the air. They gave up 277, but the completion rate was down to 62%, 26 of 42. So that's a difference of Jacksonville throwing 42 passes and Seattle throwing 37 passes. You know, it's that's it was the oh no, I said 37, sorry, 30. I was looking at how many passes the Steelers threw. Sorry, 30. Seattle threw 30 passes. So you're talking 42 versus 30. Um Jacksonville. Although they had, they had more yards, but their yards per pass were six point one, and Seattle theirs was you know five point five with only the with only the two hundred. So they, there was just more plays run by Jacksonville because that's another one time of possession. I I didn't want to cover this in offense, but it really shouldn't be defense either because the offense probably controls just more. The Steelers' time of possession the first half of that game on against Jacksonville was terrible, terrible. They had they, they held the ball just over ten minutes. Barely over ten minutes, gave up, and so that means Jacksonville had it for almost twenty. Now the Steelers came back, and it ended up in the second half being basically even. But so for the game, the Steelers were like nine nine minutes behind Jacksonville. They they held they held the ball. It was twenty five thirty nine. Now that's 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 not what you want to see against Seattle thirty one fifty five. Big difference there. Um, you know, so you want to see them get back in that time of possession. You want that time of possession number to start with a three. If it doesn't start with a three, then the worst you want it to be, well, let's start with a four, but we're not even going there. Uh, the worst you want it to be is for the second digit to be a nine. You, you want it to be that close. You, you can't be putting your defense out there all the time. Um, I'm going to say to throw in some, some other things, um, kind of overall team things. Punting, I like what I – I mean, it was two different punters. It was two different punters from one game to the next, so it was really difficult to talk about. Really liked what I saw from the, from the punting down in Jacksonville. And I'm glad – I'm glad that the Steelers went ahead and decided to have Presley Harvin do the punting there. They went ahead and released their other punter ahead of time. I felt it was important because I brought it up on the show in the past. He punted much better in Pittsburgh last year. So I like seeing him getting some work on the road. I thought that that was important for him to get some punting on the road. I mean, the Steelers, four punts, 77 yards, um, a net of 40.8, a gross of 44.3, which was, you know, now Jacksonville, who has a pretty good punter, um, theirs was higher. But, I mean, that's all right. The other thing was, my goodness, talked about it even on Scobro. That free kick, that free kick, my goodness. You know, when teams get a safety, they're supposed to get better field position than you would on a kickoff, and they didn't. So thank you, Big Press. Field goals, you want to see those coming? If if Boswell's going to miss a 53-yard field goal and he hits it two-thirds of the way up the upright and he hits it to where it still bounces inside but not enough to go forward, he missed that kick by two inches. That's the numbers there in my opinion, two inches more to the right. And that goes through, even if it hits. So that's, and his very first kick in, in live action against another, another team. 
from 53 yards. You know what? I'm giving him a pass there. So we'll we'll see from that going forward. So those are some of the some of the overall numbers. Oh, I almost forgot one. Almost forgot one. All right. Against Seattle, the Steelers had two accepted penalties for 15 yards. In Jacksonville, don't even get me started. It was awful. They had six for 48. And that's, you know, they even had the offside, not off, sorry, not the offsides, offsetting, offsetting penalties. Um, but the, I thought the officials were not good. They were almost as bad as the announcers, but I could complain about that all day because it's, it's fun to do. But those are some of the numbers. Those are some of the numbers that if you want to tune up of what, what the Steelers you want to see as an output. Now, they're not going into the game thinking they want to hit these numbers. This is when you analyze things after the fact. Hey, how do they do? And sometimes there's things you can't analyze the numbers. Like, how do you analyze numbers of pass blocking other than sacks, things of that nature, you know, surrendered, uh, time to throw and things, things. It's really difficult to do that. So in other words, play better, just play better. Your eyes will tell you what's happening when you watch the game, pass block better, run block better, things, things like that. Okay. Hold the line of scrimmage on, on defense, push the line of scrimmage on offense, all those wonderful things. So Speaking of wonderful things, make sure you check it out behind steelcurtain.com for all your Steelers needs. We've got lots of things going on there. I had an article on Wednesday that um, had some good discussion. It was three gentle reminders of Steelers fans going into things. Just, hey, I know we're all caught up with stuff. Remember this. Just remember, oh, yeah, maybe I didn't think about that. So I was just one of those. Um, got a lot of positive feedback from that article um, if, you're, if you're interested in checking that out. And, of course, all the podcasts. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the uh, – I'm going to get it right this time. I'm going to say the right podcast, even if I have to stop and think about it for a second. It was Know Your Enemy. Man, I was so ingrained with the old one. I love it that it's Know Your Enemy. Make sure you make, make sure if you missed that one, I like to try to catch those live when I can because they're fun. But if you missed that one, make sure you go back and, and check that out from last night. And I already said about um, what Yin's talking about coming up here later on where, where like they said, they, they uh, unfortunately, they're talking more about seventh-round draft picks than they ever thought they would. And, of course, we have the whole lineup. I know so many of you out there are part of the Ride or Die crew uh, with Let's Ride on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. we got Cutter on the Floor. Um, one of my favorites, uh, I, I just got a plug just because um, it, it's, it's just what it is, that it's Here We Go, the Steelers pregame show. That's a real interesting show. It doesn't come out till noon on Friday. Some people miss it because it's heading into the weekend. But if you do it any sooner, how much could it be of a pregame show? So make sure you, if, if you haven't caught that one before to realize what it is or if you have to go out of your way to catch it, um, I really enjoy the breakdown of KT Smith on that one. And um, Brian Anthony Davis does a nice job of setting up KT Smith to let him break down stuff. It's, it's just really, um, it flows really well. I really, that's one of my, my, my favorite shows because of, um, of, of what it brings to the table, but I, I, all the shows are great. I mean, I'm, and I'd say that I say all the shows are great because it's, it's part of my network, but I also understand that not all the shows are necessarily for you. Um, not all the ride or die crew listen to stat geek. Um, I'm sure it's all stat geek that listens to ride or die, um, or part of that. So, we, there are so many different things out there for you to, to, to try. If you haven't caught 
all of our shows. I'm not saying to catch all, every show from everything. I know that some of you do that, and that's fantastic. But if there's a show out there that you haven't caught yet in order to check out, make sure you do that. Um, just, just to give it a test. You might be missing your favorite one, for all you know. So I will be back uh, tonight in the preview. I will be back maybe at the post game unless something changes where I end up um, in Pittsburgh um, on Sunday. We'll have to see. I got I to gotta make that decision here soon. Woo. So um, just excited about seeing this team on the field. And the last week has been really down. Oh, the offensive line. Oh, how can this team do a thing? You know what? Sometimes all it takes is to, is, is to shake it off. Final thought. Final thought, and I'll probably bring this up tonight on the preview, is this. Going into this game, this is the tiebreaker. This is the tiebreaker. And this is what I mean by that. Now, there's certain things that are going to be a tiebreaker because they were good both games or they were bad both games. But this is ultimately the game that, for example, if the Steelers rushed the ball well the first game, they didn't rush the ball well the second game. This is the game that's going to determine what is the exception and what is the norm. If the Steelers come out and run the ball really well, oh, then it might have been that Jacksonville was the anomaly. If the Steelers come out and struggle to run, oh, it might have been Seattle that was the anomaly. That's why this game is really important to break stuff down going forward. We'll prob- that's probably what we'll dive into next week. So I can't wait to get those Get that data, get those numbers from this game coming up on Sunday. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining me. And as I always say to finish up here, thanks for drinking out with me.